welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 4 of Charmed. The Devil's Music. Hope you like Neighbor Jenny, because this is the Neighbor Jenniest episode we get. It is a very Neighbor Jenny episode. You know who else is in this episode? Uh, the best band ever, Dishwalla. Dishwalla. Dishwalla, they did that Counting Blue Cars song in the late 90s, early 2000s that was on the radio all the time. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. But other than that, I think they're more known for this episode of Charmed, you know, nowadays. And I'm basing that on the fact that when I was Googling to get information about them ahead of talking about this episode, one of Google's suggested questions was, is Dishwalla a real band? God. They have a really, really specifically dated sound. I mean, I I enjoyed that kind of music. I was a Jason Mraz, Reliant K person back in the day. I know they have different sounds, but it's the it's that kind of general. It's that early two thousands college rock sound that was perfectly imitated by Rachel Bloom in the song Ping Pong Girl, in crazy ex-girlfriend yeah i think they're a little later than that because that was more like bowling for soup uh smash mouthy you're right there was kind of a folk influence by the time we got to dishwalla yeah again that's that's why i brought up jason mraz they sound like a combination of a bunch of different people whose bands you've heard before i this episode was directed by richard compton someone who has only directed this episode of charmed i mean as far as Charmed goes. According to Wikipedia, Richard Compton was an American actor, director, and writer, primarily in television. He Mm. had small parts as an actor in film and television series, including minor roles in two episodes of Star Trek, the original series. And later he would go on to direct Star Trek, The Next Generation. Other directorial credits include X-Files, Charmed, Sliders, Babylon 5, and Miami Vice. I just reading this off his Wikipedia page because... Nothing about him really stood out to me. That's an eclectic collection of shows. Also, Star Trek The Next Generation ran for 11 million years. I would be surprised if anyone didn't direct an episode of it. That's fair. You know, it's fun. Uh, when we get into later seasons of Charmed, LeVar Burton directs a couple episodes. Mm. This episode was written by David Simpkins, who we have not seen yet. This is the first time he's written an episode for this show, but he will write some more Uh He's credited with Heartbreak City and Murphy's Luck, two episodes that I don't really remember that well. Ooh, Murphy's Luck has baby Amy Adams in it. Oh, fun! As a woman who gets her luck stolen and starts falling off buildings or something. I, I uh, The only thing I remember about it is that... Uh, her luck is stolen? Uh, no, that it's Amy Adams because that makes her one of the... I mean, a few, but one of the few uh, actors who was both on Buffy and Charmed. Oh, wait. It, I wouldn't say few. I feel like there's several. Armin Shimmerman, I know that. Charisma Carpenter. Yes, very notably Charisma Carpenter. But there's not as much overlap as you. You're right. Now that you mention it, I guess I would expect there to be more. Well, and I mean, uh, the guy who played Rack was in an earlier episode we saw. Yeah, the guy who played Rack. Um, it doesn't count, but John Delancey is a reoccurring person later. Is John, does John Delancey show up on Buffy? I don't remember. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, oh, okay. 
I, I was actually more thinking about Star Trek people who show up in Charmed because I, because uh, you know Armin Shimmerman is like a uh, Rosetta Stone of genre sci-fi fantasy. Uh, yep, yep. He was was he a, was he a shapeshifter or was he one of those anti-Semitic aliens that Star Trek had? He was he was Frankie. Yes, that's the anti-Semitic one. Ah, yeah, that. Uh, that was a whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a it's not a good stereotype. Let's talk about Charmed. The devil's music. Alright, so yes, as we mentioned, I believe, earlier, if you are a neighbor Jenny person, then this is an episode for you. This is the episode for you. This is the neighbor Jennyist, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I don't know if she disappears entirely after this, but this is definitely the biggest role she ever gets, and Boy, howdy, is she Dawn. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean. Season five of Buffy was going at this point, right? Like, or six? Uh, no, it's 1999. That means we're still in season three of Buffy. I know this because Buffy graduated high school the same year I did. So I always remember which year is season three. Huh. I thought the show ended like 2002-ish. Yeah, started 1997. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ended, well, so, yeah, started 1997, ended 2003. So, 98 to 99 is season 2. 99 to 2000 is two, No. Wait, if it ended 2003. Yes, yeah, season, oh, season... It would have started 1996. No, because it was a mid-season replacement. Oh. Season 1 is 97. Season 2 is 97 to 98. Season 3 is 98 to 99. Same year I graduated high school. Mm. And so on and so forth. Okay. Oh, so Dawn is a ripoff of Neighbor Jenny. Twist. Anyway, uh, the episode properly opens uh, with the first... Is this the first appearance of P3? This is the first appearance of P3 as an open club. Yeah, but it's not quite open. I mean, yes, it's open. There's just no one there. Yes, we, we get my MVP extra right off the bat. The camera pans across a mostly empty floor that has a guy dancing with a woman, and I always like to look at background people in club scenes in genre shows. Uh, I was watching um, God, Legends of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. and there's a bit where they go to a post-apocalyptic future, uh-huh. and uh, they're at this, like rebel underground punk marauder base and everyone's dancing and like waving weapons above their heads and you're supposed to be paying attention to i don't know heat wave and white canary or whoever talking uh-huh. and instead just to look at the background there are all these people who are trying to dance as non obtrusively as possible while kind of waving these plasticky weapons above their heads it is the most awkward thing ever well it has to be weird on set because they're not usually playing any music so you're just kind of moving and i think on charmed i don't know that they even knew what kind of music was going to be playing in the background these two extras you're pointing at they look like they're dancing to audrey's dance from twin peaks they look like they're dancing to twin peaks music and that is not what is playing in piper's club but seriously, do it with any genre show. You can see some people trying really hard to not make it quite all the way down a hallway. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Okay, so Phoebe says, this place couldn't be any more dead if I was embalmed. It's a weird turn of phrase. Why would you being embalmed make the club more dead? Why is Prue dressed like sexy Rosie the Riveter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think handkerchiefs in the hair, that was a thing in the early 2000s. Plus your hair is crimped. Or it's got weird she's got, quasi-braids. Yeah, she's got tiny braids in it. Just like a couple. Just for, like, texture. It's not a good look. But the, the driving point of this scene is that P3 is a crappy club that nobody wants to go to. It sucks so hard and they are going to lose the house and have to be, I don't know, street witches. Well, one of Prue's clients at Buckland's is a wealthy investor, so they're going to ask him to invest in the club. How is the club in this much trouble? They've been open for like a week. Did How much runway did they have? They had like two hours of runway? This is literally the first episode the club has been open in. They, you, I have to assume that when you're opening a business like a club, you're going to budget for at least a year before you're in the black. Like, Judging from actual businesses? Yeah. The amount of time it takes a new business before they break even is a decent chunk of time. I, Especially with a nightclub. Yeah. Well, I mean, I assume nightclubs like restaurants have super thin margins and, Mm. yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe it's because they're assuming you're going to be drinking a lot more. It's true. Alcohol does have a high margin. Well, depending on, you know, what kind of bar slash club you are. So, Piper comes over and she's like, looks like things are picking up, right? And Prue and Phoebe are like, yeah, not so much. And But they're lying to her about bringing in a new investor. Like. Yeah, they're like, I'm sure something will turn around soon. You don't need to worry. And Piper's like, I wasn't worried. I was assuming things would turn around soon. This isn't like running a restaurant. What? Piper says, I can't predict these things exactly. It's not like running a restaurant. Like. What? What? Also, what? Okay, so I I do appreciate P3, if only for being the end of what is Piper's job exactly, but... It is it is the absurd end point of the what is Piper's job dance that they put us through at Quake. Mm. That's, that's accurate. And, I mean, this episode demonstrates why Piper has decided to open a club instead of a restaurant, so that we can have super famous bands like Dishwalla perform there. Right. I mean, speaking of Buffy, Charmed needed its bronze. Or its vomiting eagle or whatever they had in Smallville. This was a thing in WB shows at the time. I was actually going to say, or its Peach Pit, which is the restaurant from Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. Like, this was a thing in this kind of show. You needed a club the characters could go to so you could cross-promote bands that, you know, it's all it's all just synergy. Sure, the WB the WB had to have had a label, and that's why it was pushing all of these artists in the TV shows. Yeah, Warner, Warner Music. Oh, 
I didn't know that they were. Oh, yeah. They're, I, I, their tentacle arms reach everywhere, Max. <laughs> I mean, I assumed, but, uh, you know. So, <laughs> Like that one episode of Smallville where, uh, what is it, Remy Zero is giving a concert in a gum factory. Yes, yes, as, as discussed by... Alison Pregler on her manic episode recently. Yes, speaking of charms. But so Phoebe says, "Where is everyone?" allowing us to Gilligan cut to where everyone in San Francisco is because what else are you going to do in San Francisco on a hot night but go see Dishwalling concert? Okay, so we cut to like an arena packed with people. Mm. Um, I can't tell, is this sign outside supposed to be the name of the arena, or is it the group that's opening for Dishwalla? I think it's supposed to be the name of the, I think it might be supposed to be, it's supposed to be a club, and the club is called Butterfly's Cocoon. It's so huge! I mean, it looks- To be a club, and it's got, like, neon all around it. It looks- I mean, I Well, I, I think the reason it looks like that is because that's really clearly superimposed post- Oh, yeah, yes. Like? Yes, obviously. So they just took a picture of a random building and kind of slapped that over it. So I, I, we're going to assume that Butterfly's Cocoon is the name of this club that they are playing at. And, oh boy, it's Dishwalla. Also, look at the non-frontmen people of Dishwalla, because they're, they're, they're not frontmen for a reason. Oh, that's mean. Yeah, well. It's, it's one of the things where... You ever, did you watch Full House? Yes. Did you ever pay attention to the members of Jesse and the Rippers who weren't Jesse? No. It's one of those things where you're like, ah, studio musician. Nothing wrong with being a studio musician. No, it's not bad. And it's nice that they're actually getting their faces out there. It's just, you can tell who who's in the front of the, uh. Gotcha. Hey, that's another show where they owned a club so that they could have bands come play. Oh God, yeah. Even though they didn't really need the club. Well, I mean, wasn't it just so Jesse would have a place to play with his terrible band? Yes, Jesse bought the club so that he and the Rippers could play there. I mean, they just had bands come play in their living room. I would be really honked off if I was Danny. Just, like, trying to raise these three kids. Like this, you know. <sighs> okay, so... I know Jesse's famous in-universe later... I guess. I mean, is he ever really? Hey, his uh, record label paid for him to uh, tour Japan until he didn't because Michelle wanted him to come home or something. I don't remember. But I, I never, I've never really watched Full House, but I have read blogs that make fun of Full House. So I do know a lot of plots from it. Sure, sure. But Jesse's real skill was attaching himself to people with money. I was actually going to say, I think of all of the people in the house, by the end of the series, Jesse is the least famous. I mean, of the adults. Because Danny is a television personality, so is Becky, and Joey gets the TV show with the beaver. Yeah. So, uh... I'm so sad this is taking up uh, space in my head, Mr. Woodchuck. So, I think that touring with bands like he he plays with the beach boys because john stamos actually played with the beach boys because mike love is some sort of weird energy vampire who needed a young person to stay alive i mean i think 
John Stamos just enjoyed the music and was just famous enough that oh, no, it I'm, made sense. No, no, it was a reciprocal, uh, you know, friendship. Like those humans in True Blood who let vampires feed off of them so the vampires have people to eat and then get high off vampire blood. Yes, that's exactly what it was. He got to pretend he was a beach boy and Mike Love got to suck youth and energy out of John Stamos. Which... He had plenty. I mean, look at him. He still looks great. Mm. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Oh, right, Dishwalla. People who shouldn't be front men. So, no. Leo is in the club as well. Yes, Leo is in the club as well, enjoying the late 90s jams of Dishwalla. But he's... Okay. Okay. Is this girl a witch? No. No, definitely not. 100% no. Okay. I can tell you for certain, 100% no, she's not a witch. Okay, so if none of the victims of the demon of this episode are witches, I feel like Leo is sort of a little bit out of his purview as a, as a white lighter. Oh, God. You know what I assumed, but then is never actually said in the show? Oh, uh, what? I assumed Dishwalla were witches. Huh. Why? I assumed Leo was protecting them. I mean, maybe maybe that does fall under his purview as a white lighter. It's, he protects witches, future white lighters, and Dishwalla. <laughs> maybe Dishwalla are future white lighters. You know that show, Julie and the Phantoms? Yes. Right? Maybe Dishwalla are all going to eat a bad hot dog and die and become like a band of white lighters. Oh my god, is it sad that I kind of want to watch that TV show? They're white lighters, but they're also a band! I would watch that spinoff, or read that spinoff comic. Um, yeah, no, now I, now I realize I had just gone into this episode assuming Leo was there protecting Dishwalla, and I never thought to question why Leo was protecting Dishwalla. Although, okay, so a more logical explanation, if you want one, which I, I I almost don't because I like this one, but a more logical explanation is that everything that's going to happen was his way of kind of backdoor helping Piper because the events that happen end up saving P3. That's true. Uh, honestly, I could definitely see this as Leo being like, hmm... How can I help my quasi-girlfriend and still have this be like a supernatural thing? I wouldn't be surprised if he hooked up the band guy with the demon. Oh. Leo's moving a lot of pieces here. Anyway, so here's what's going on now. The band's manager brings a blonde girl. Sorry, blonde girl. Uh, Don't be blonde and charmed. He's bringing a blonde girl backstage to wait for the band. And uh, he says, you know, you said the magic words. You said that you would do anything. And she gets this look on her face like, I know that the implication is that I'm going to screw the band, but you don't have to be so crass about it. Mm. Yeah, because she would do anything to meet Dishwalla. And he's like, okay, why don't you sit in this dark room and just wait? Because the band will be in shortly. And she's like, really? Because it seems like they're in the middle of a concert. He's like, hey, shut up and get in the room. Well, I mean, I think the idea is that she'll be waiting there for them so that as soon as they come off stage, she's there. Mm. But instead of uh, hooking up with the band, this uh, this girl gets 
eaten by a demon that comes out of the wall. Uh-oh, it's a wall demon. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, wall demon. Um, 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 wall demon. And then the manager, he's like, hey, wall demon, I know that our deal was that I would feed you groupies and you would make me rich and famous, or famous adjacent, mm. but I just can't take the guilt anymore. And the demon's like, demon, demonic pact. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude, but you can't back out as soon as you get what you want. You have to keep feeding me girls. So you look at this terrible CGI effect. Oh, and the terrible CGI effect is we see the demon's chest and we see, like, the girl writhing inside of him. Yeah, you kind of see a face that's pressed up against him. You couldn't just buy, like, I don't know, a sheet of rubber and have her press her face against it. It's a really, really bad effect. It's like they did the latex wall effect in cgi and it looks so much worse than if they had just done the latex wall effect yeah so we cut to credits and then after the credits we've got what 33 full seconds of establishing shots of san francisco honestly it's not the worst they've ever done they we were getting regulars in the 40s for a while there yeah i guess you're right i guess you're right it's just Plus, we have to hear that awesome Dish Wallace song, the one Dish Wallace song that everyone knows. You know, tell me about what God's doing. Is he watching you when you're on the bus or whatever? Is she? Is she watching you when you're on the bus or whatever? Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, they're progressive as balls. So, we see the band's manager again. <laughs> Okay, I love this. We see him walking down the hallway like, tum to tum definitely didn't feed a girl to a demon. tum to tum And Leo grabs him, shoves him against a wall, like pulls him into an enclave so no one in this busy hallway can see what he's doing. And he's like, I know what you're doing. I know you're feeding girls to a demon. And what you got to do is you got to book that demon. And you got to book Tishwala at my girlfriend's club and feed girls to him there. The wall demon, not... That's, not feeding girls to Dishwalla. That's what happens, yeah. Except that Leo, like, blows blue dust into his face so that we know that he... Used magic to make this happen. It's not white light or amnesia dust. Later he says it's a spell he borrowed from one of his other charges, which... Yeah, so it's okay. mind-controlled dust that he took from another witch. Hmm. Yeah. I want to hear about the witch who has mind-controlled dust as her thing. Right?! Anyway, we go from that to an Excel spreadsheet showing how much in the red P3 is. It's, it's been like a week, right? You only have expenses at this point. You have all of the expenses of opening the club. Calm down. So Piper is panicking over the fact that, you know, she went into huge debt to open a business she doesn't want to own for no reason, apparently. And who should show up but neighbor Jenny. Yeah, neighbor Jenny's like, hey, is it illegal for me to be here because I'm underage? And Piper's like, well, not when it's closed, I think. I don't know, really. Which, why did you open a club? Also, I don't think neighbor Jenny. I mean, I think it's probably okay if she's there when it's not open, but. I don't know what the rules are in San Francisco. I don't know what the rules are in California. In Oregon, it would depend on the kind of liquor license they had. Uh, neighbor Jenny, by the way, is wearing these like teeny tiny mini butterfly clips that were really the rage in the late 90s early 2000s mm -hmm. and also 
has a Walkman with, like, the headphones around her neck, old school style. Oh, yeah. That, not the butterfly clips. The Walkman with the headphones, although I had a CD player. That was, yeah, yeah. That was my jam when I was in, like, middle school. Mm -hmm. Before, in high school, I upgraded to one of those giant-ass iPods. You know what I miss? I miss being able to, like, just rewind songs by hitting a button on your iPod. I know, just iPods themselves mean I'm, you know, a million years old in internet years, but because you can't get iPods anymore. They're not a thing. Everyone just listens to music on their phones, which, whatever. But I'm just saying, I remembered when you could just listen to the same 14 seconds of a song over and over again by rewinding it, by hitting a button, you know. We could do that if you listen to it on YouTube. No, like, in your pocket, you could just be carrying your... Oh, you mean without having to look at the screen? Yeah, without... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Because I just listened to the parts of songs I liked. I had to get used to listening to whole songs, because I don't know if you know this, but whole songs suck. Every song has like 30 good seconds, and that's all you listen to. I'm sorry, I'm I'm auditioning to become the new Andy Rooney. Another a name people of a certain age won't recognize, because... He, he used to be a very old man on TV, and then he died, and his thing was complaining about stuff. He was like if YouTube was a person, a- an old person. Sorry, I was just thinking about how people only like that one part of the song, Sister Christian. Yeah. Sister Christian is like four different songs. Oh, or um, Sailing. Sailing, take me away where I want to. It's like... Everybody likes the chorus, but, like, there's a super long part before that. Oh, or that one bit oh. from Dear Sister. You remember the sketch from SNL that got way more famous than, like, the bit from the OC or whatever they were parodying? Where, you know... This is all new to me. It's the one where Andy Samberg and Bill Hader are shooting each other. This Ooh, is... what you say, you know. Oh, that you only meant well. Of course you... You remember this. I'm pulling out my phone because you will remember this bit. This was like everywhere on the internet for a really long time. Okay, we just paused so I could show the... I'm going to show you the whole thing later. I just paused so I could play the clip for Tina. I can't believe I've you don't remember that. that. I. It got parodied everywhere, even though it's a parody of a scene from... Um, the OC? Yeah, or something. But... It got parodied everywhere for a good, like, two years after. I, I can't believe you didn't see that. The, I, mm, what you say? I don't know what to tell you. But the thing is, that's literally the only part of that song that sounds like that. Like, it completely changes later. Mm-hmm. But that was the clip that got played when whoever got shot in whatever show they were parodying. So that's the only bit that they uh, use. And people don't recognize the rest of the song until it gets to the mm, what you say part. Ah. Okay. Which again is only like fifteen seconds long. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? Oh, right, neighbor Jenny's in there. She's got butterflies in her hair and headphones around her neck, and she wants to. Uh, she heard on the streets. It's with... all over the radio. She's doing this weird thing where she's not just telling Piper what she wants. She's like, Piper. I need the thing. And Piper's like, what thing? And she's like, it's all over the radio. 
She wants to see Dishwalla. Apparently, Dishwalla's playing at Piper's Club, which no one cleared with Piper. Well, okay, this is... How bad at running a club is Piper? Well, okay, as they're having this conversation, the manager, whose name is Jeff, Hmm. never trust a Jeff. Sorry, sorry, Jeffs. The manager comes in and is like, hey, uh, I manage Dishwalla. I have to book them here. Yes, Dishwalla has a giant, giant boner for this crappy club in the middle of, you know, butt-ass San Francisco. I don't know where this club's supposed to be. San Francisco. No, but where in San Francisco? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, the show's not super concerned with San Francisco in general outside of establishing shots. But wherever in San Francisco this club is, that's where Dishwalla wants to be. And he's not taking no for an answer. He's going to make sure that Piper books Dishwalla, the most popular band ever. And Piper's like, well, I don't normally like it when other people book bands at my club, I guess, that I've had for like a week. But whoa, Dishwalla, this is amazing. Is this, oh, is this how it works? Is this how it works? You just own a club and then people book super famous bands here? He literally hands her a contract that he already has written out. All she has to do is sign. And like... I guess he knew that this tiny club wasn't going to say no to Dishwalla. Mm. And neighbor Jenny is like, oh my god, I would do almost anything to meet Dishwalla. And he's like, oh, I work by vengeance demon rules. I'm going to need a, you know, I wish statement. A, I would do anything. Not, you got close, but you need to do anything. Not almost anything. Yeah. Okay. So... I don't like this subplot. Prue is meeting with Johnny douchebag money face to try to get him to, she's, she's talking to him on the phone. She's trying to get him to invest in the club. And he's like, I'll invest in the club. If you uh, visit Paris and by Paris, I mean my dick. Okay. So here's the thing. Okay. There's a difference between owning something and loaning someone money. Now, I know this might be hard, but let me... Loaning someone money doesn't mean you own them. Now, if this guy is an investor who wants to buy a piece of the club, who wants to buy a partial ownership, that would be one thing. But he says he's going to give them a loan. And in fact, he says he's going to give them an interest-free loan. So I'm not quite sure what the investment part of his investment is unless he's giving them an equity loan in exchange for shares in the club i guess that would make sense but you know what doesn't make sense what's gonna happen later it makes me so angry well the investment is he wants to invest his penis into Prue's vagina well that too that's that's accurate oh oh so yeah Prue's like uh yeah, I'll take the loan, but I'm not going to have sex with you. And he's like, oh, I love it when you play hard to get. And she's like, I'm not playing hard to get. I'm playing I'm not going to have sex with you. And he's like, sure you are. He's like, let me fly you to Paris for dinner. You know, in Paris, they call French bread. You know Bread. What? Oh, God, yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he thinks Prue's going to sleep with him. She's... I mean... Let me tell you, though, saying, come to this place with me, it's the birthplace of bread, 
that gets me pretty hot. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's not what. I guess he's like, I'm so rich, I always get what I want. Even though Proust being like, "Fuck you, give me a loan," like, like Prue is being so aggressive and confrontational while asking this guy for money. Well, I mean, she's being very, very clear. She's like, I will take your money, but I will not... Have sex with you. Yeah. Anyway, she hangs up the phone and she tells Phoebe it's all set. He's going to come to the club and give them money and everything's going to be fine. They don't need to tell Piper that the club that she owns and is running is about to go out of business. Because apparently Piper can't tell what she's looking at when she looks at a spreadsheet doesn't know what it takes to keep a club running this this goes back to them not getting her signature when they got the home equity loan like what 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 is money okay is is this like that episode of buffy where they're watching the kung fu movie and buffy's critiquing how the main guy is fighting all the minions and riley's like it's a movie you can't you know you can't think about it just because fighting lots of guys is your thing. And she's like, well, if it was an army movie, you'd be being upset if they were saluting all backwards. Is, it, is this what happens with you when you watch stuff where they're doing property stuff and they're doing it wrong? I guess. It's just, it's so very wrong. And, and the thing is, most people don't engage in kung fu fighting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. Uh... Have taken out loans to buy property. Hmm. So, is Piper just not going to notice that they suddenly have a lot of money out of nowhere? Well, apparently they think that she doesn't notice that the club's going out of business, so she just won't notice when it doesn't. I guess. Hmm. Okay, sure, why not? So, the doorbell rings, and who could it be? Oh, it's Leo again, and I guess Leo. What is their deal? Yeah, they kind of left the relationship kind of ambiguous because he's like, if you want, I can clip my wings and we can be together. And she's like, no, your work as an angel's, you know, important. You shouldn't do that. But also, I don't want to break up. And he's like, okay. But she's also kind of flirting with neighbor Dan. I mean, I guess they're not exclusive or anything. But then she went into the future and they were unhappily divorced. So she thinks they're destined to get married. I, I I don't know. You know what I do know? What? Piper tells Leo that she has backstage passes to Dishwalla. They're at your club. That's... What? what? Like, I have backstage passes because I own the club and I can just go wherever I want. Also, yeah, I'm sure Leo's thrilled to see Dishwalla and he's like, uh, Dishwalla is the greatest band of all time. <laughs> Who wouldn't be excited to go see Dishwalla? Even in White Lighter Land, they're all bopping around to Dishwalla. Yeah, Leo's like, yeah, I know, sorry, I made that happen, not you. Oh, by the way, this is important because when Piper came in, she was so excited that she had landed Dishwalla at her club and... Had landed. I know. I mean, she came in. She was like, guess what I did? All by myself. And like, no, I mean, like it literally fell into her lap. But she was excited that, oh, I guess this means I am a successful proprietress of a nightclub. But Leo's like, no, no, I did that. Because there's a demon that you have to kill. You're on duty. 
Yes, he's like, I arranged for Dishwalla, who are completely innocent, by the way. Their manager made a uh, deal with a demon. You have to vanquish the demon that the manager made a deal with, but not Dishwalla. Completely blameless, wonderful guys, excellent musicians. Did not have anything to do with the uh, demon that their manager is feeding their groupies to. I cannot stress enough that real-world super band Dishwalla is completely innocent in this. listen listen i i cannot emphasize enough that this is actually the plot of this episode we are not punking you okay and also i know that it seems like we're going to the super famous band Dishwalla well a lot joke-wise, but we're doing it every time they mention Dishwalla as a super famous band that everyone listens to. It's so much in this episode. Y- you know what it reminds me of, to go off on a, you know, to do something completely different and go off on a tangent. What's that? Okay, you watch, did you, you watch Clone High, right? Yeah! Okay, you remember the episode with Ashley Angel from O-Town? Yes! How... Every time someone mentions Ashley Angel from O-Town, they're like, oh my god, it's Ashley Angel from O-Town. Yeah! (laughs) And uh, I didn't know O-Town was a band, but that's kind of the joke. Yes, yes. Fun fact, he has an OnlyFans now. Oh, okay. After, uh, after clone high had that like cameo poster thing and in into the spider verse uh-huh. i rewatched the series and i was like i wonder what he's up to and i googled him and he's basically doing softcore porn for the internet so i guess his career is going great there's nothing wrong with doing an only fans yeah i mean i was gonna say i feel like he's too famous to do an only fans but i guess not well i don't want to get into the politics of only fans but <laughs> one of the uh i, I I saw an article where someone was talking about how bad it is that celebrities are starting to do OnlyFans. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about, but we don't need to get into the politics of OnlyFans. Yeah, apparently one of the Teen Wolves from the Teen Wolf show is doing it. Which, I mean, makes sense because that show is basically, uh, like, what, one, uh, it's like one level down from gay porn. (laughs) You know, it's like Smallville where everyone's shirt, well... Not Smallville. Smallville's a bad uh, example of it. It's one of those shows where it's everyone's shirtless and they're talking directly into each other's mouths. I guess Riverdale does some of that. I mean, yeah, aren't most of the CW shows like that? Yeah, I wonder if that started with Supernatural where they're like, you know what teenage girls like but can't watch? Gay porn. So we're going to do like as family-friendly gay porn as possible. So it's just going to be shirtless guys in their 20s pretending to be high schoolers talking really close at each other. That is what girls want. I mean, Supernatural's been on for 7,000 years. I mean, it's true. Girls want sexy, shirtless guys talking real close to each other. And backstage passes to see Dishwalla. <laughs> God. I feel... I, I, I want to make it clear, by the way, that we're not mocking Dishwalla, because they're... No, they're a perfectly good band from that era. They had one hit that I know about that was a perfectly fine song and knowing how demonic the music industry is i'm sure they got eaten up so uh, i nothing against dishwalla it's just by the way this plot would later be recycled into the surprisingly really really good movie uh jennifer's body 
Yes. I, yes. You've seen Jennifer's Body. I have seen Jennifer's Body. Okay. I feel like people were so dismissive of it just because it stars Megan Fox. I think in the last few years, in the last maybe two or three years, people have started to rediscover that movie and realize how very wrong they were to dismiss it and and to dismiss Megan Fox as well. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think that movie's actually having a renaissance right now. Well, I saw this great thing with Megan Fox where she was talking about all these people who are like talking about what a bad actor she was and or is or whatever, and she's like, I, she's like, I don't think I'm a bad actor. I just was never in anything where they required I actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd show up and they'd be like, okay, stand here, pose like this. There's going to be a wind machine on you. How can you tell I'm a bad actress? right like and she's really good in jennifer's body yeah also i feel like jennifer's body was like sold as a straight horror movie and it's a horror comedy yeah also it's a movie that is really made for women Mm. and it was sold in a way that really turned off the female audience well yeah because it was sold on you know oh my god look how hot megan fox is look she's dressed as a schoolgirl and she's licking a lollipop and the lollipop's on fire and it's like no it's about how it's a movie about how society treats women it's this yep it's really good and i met amanda seyfried 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 she's she's so good at and i love the part where megan fox points out she's like where she's because she, she's like you know I, I, i'm nothing compared to you know to jennifer i'm just this you know squirrely nerd and megan fox is like no you're not are you like look you're like the you're not a high school attractive person you are an actress attractive person like i i, I just i love the movie especially that joke you know the joke when she's they're fight during the final fight scene you know they Oh my god, she she can fly? She's not flying, she's hovering. <laughs> Why are you always trying to undercut me? Oh god, I love that movie. Sorry, go on. Okay, so Jennifer's body was not what I was expecting or wanting in the opposite way of the way it was missold. Explain. I wanted to watch Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried killing a bunch of people together mm. not fighting each other i wanted a unambiguous revenge film instead of a revenge horror film which is a slightly different thing okay so i actually read the tie-in comic to jennifer's body because it had a really interesting premise mm-hmm. uh where it was i think five or six issues And each one of them uh, had a different creative team, and they were done from the perspective of each of her victims. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's, it was, it was an interesting concept, and I liked the, the, because they changed artist and writer, I don't know if it was artist and writer, just artist, but each, each thing had a really different feel to it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so the deal is, the plot of Jennifer's body is that these guys sacrifice megan fox and she becomes possessed by a demon who kills them all ah uh, yeah. these guys who are in an early 2000s like pop punk folk band yes 
sacrifice her so that their band will become popular, which it does by singing a song about a disaster that they caused. Yes. Okay. But I didn't want a demon killing all these guys. I wanted a demonically possessed Megan Fox to kill these guys. It's a slight difference, but do you know what I mean? I mean, she was kind of demonically possessed. I mean, do you think it was more of a Buffy vampire situation where a demon kills you and takes over your body and it looks like you and it walks like you and it talks like you, but it's not you? Yes. Unless you're Harmony. Yes. (laughs) Yes, no, exactly. It, It was, it was... It was like Illyria, right? It was Illyria shows up and kills these guys to jump over to Angel from Buffy. Hmm. And I just wanted Megan Fox to become superpowered and kill them. And I know that th- I know that seems like a slight difference, but it was just enough that it made me like step back from the film. Hmm. Well, I mean, she's not the main character. I feel like you wanted her to be the main character. Amanda Seyfried is the main character. Well, I mean, and that's what I said, right? I wanted I thought it was going to be the two of them taking out these guys, not Amanda Seyfried, you know. God. I'm, I'm not gonna go through it because whenever i say the jokes they're less funny than they are in the movie and they ruin it but that that bit where uh where you know she's where amanda seafried is talking she's like why is everyone talking about the band like they're heroes they were they were there when the fire burned down the bar they didn't do anything and one of the girls in her class is like no they were pulling people out it's true and then the dramatic music plays and it zooms in on her and she's like i read it on wikipedia it's such a good, oh yeah, I don't a really my... time specific movie. I don't want my hesitation to mean that you shouldn't watch it. You really should. Like it, it is a good movie, and of course, I mean Diablo Cody. Like yeah, and it, yeah, Diablo Cody. And if you're looking for like a Halloween movie, we should really get back to talking about Charmed. But if you're looking for a Halloween movie, Jennifer's Body is really good. Please ignore the jokes that I completely butchered. They'll be funnier in context done by actual like actors who had you know talented and stuff so leo has uh basically crapped all over piper's good feelings by being like yeah uh i made it so that dishwallow is playing at your club and for the sole purpose of you killing a demon who their manager but not the band the not the band the band is blameless but the manager is feeding girls to a demon and you need to stop that from happening oh also the girls are still alive inside the demon's stomach so you can't just go vanquish the demon you have to go give him like demon ipecac and get the girls out and then kill him then he pats piper on the face and orbs out and piper's like uh i wish i knew what our relationship was so i could dump him yeah yeah phoebe's like well this is why you don't date co-workers and piper is like not the time phoebe yeah, so Prue's like, I have to go and talk to an investor that has nothing to do with your club, Piper. Goodbye. Also, Phoebe's wearing this really weird midriff shirt. Yes, she is. It makes her look a million feet tall. It's weird. It's Okay, well, it's it's like she took a normal shirt mm-hmm. and then put a drawstring up the middle of it and cinched it closed, creating a midriff-bearing shirt. It just, it makes her torso look really long. It's a bizarre, it's a bizarre thing. Mm -hmm. But if you want to see Alyssa Milano's midriff, this might be an episode for you. I mean, if you want to see Alyssa Milano's midriff, this is a show for you. Yes. It should get its own credit. It really should. So, now we're going to go to an entirely different show. Okay. God, I wish Daryl got, like, an episode, even. Because he gets... 
quasi subplot sometimes and the actor sort of stops caring after a, a while but the thing is unlike with andy not caring really works for the character so it doesn't make him a slog when he shows up and he's not giving a shit later that's true yeah no daryl is um in a different procedural show this week and he shows up and he's interrogating jeff the manager about all of these missing girls that have all gone missing at Dishwalla shows. And Jeff is being the most suspicious man on the planet. He's like, girls go missing all the time, especially blonde girls. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess they could have been at the shows. I don't know. There's a lot of blonde girls. There's a lot of blonde girls that go missing at Dishwalla shows. I have to go by. I like how Daryl just keeps pressing him, too. Jeff is like, why don't you go hassle the boyfriend? And Daryl's like, I'm done hassling the boyfriend. Now I'm hassling you. Poor Daryl. He seems to not so much have a partner anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. I we don't we don't see a partner at all in this episode. Poor Daryl. He he does not he doesn't get the support he needs. Well, well, we'll talk about that. Yes. So Phoebe is flipping through the Book of Shadows. They're trying to. Uh, she's trying to find a way to vanquish the guy after making him barf up all of the girls inside him. And Piper's, you know, mad at Leo. Yeah, Piper is not helping. Piper's just going on and on about how annoyed she is with Leo for asking her to vanquish a demon. Undercutting her professionalism by using her club to catch a demon. She should thank him. He's, he's making it so that both of her jobs are happening at the same place. Yeah convenient one would say but yeah phoebe's like look date him or don't i don't care look we need to find a way to get the demon to barf up the girls before we kerplode him and uh piper's like no no we're gonna talk about my relationship and phoebe's like (sighs) and then we cut away because listen none of us want to hear that yeah so manager jeff you know goes to a wall and he's like yo wall demon wake up i don't want to feed girls to you anymore it makes me feel sad in my feelings chest also i think i'm gonna get arrested yeah i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get arrested and then who's gonna feed girls to you uh you know after that and the demon's like how about a little fire scarecrow and just sets him on fire with demon powers i mean is he using demon powers or is he using The worst rubber glove monster hands I've seen so far on this show. Well, it's like, remember in that one episode of 30 Rock? That's exactly what I was thinking of! When uh, Tracy's trying to dress as a white woman, but he runs out of makeup, so he's just wearing a monster hand. Yes, that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, I wonder if that episode's still on uh, Hulu or Netflix or No, they took that one off. Ah, because of Jenna, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, so Prue is meeting with the investor guy at Buckland's, and she's like, yeah, I don't need you anymore because Dishwalla is playing our club now. All of our problems are solved forever. Dishwalla is playing the club. Although, I guess that would probably help them get more acts, right? Yeah, I mean, it really does, honestly. And he's like, oh my god, I'm... Okay. Investment Von Assface is the guy she's talking to. Mr. Come to Paris so I can have bread sex at you. Yes. And he's like, well, guess what? I bought the loan from the bank, so now you have to deal with me. And it's like, 
No, you don't, because you bought the note. It has the same terms as the banks. That doesn't make you an investor. You just now own the debt. That's not... You don't get to control things. You just own the debt. No, clearly, uh, clearly this gives him some sort of weird advantage over the club. I guess. I don't know. I'm... I, I don't do property stuff. I don't know how it works, but... Well, I mean, I guess they don't either. Remember when Bucklands went out of whatever? When the when the Bucklands died, the... When Rex kerploded. Yeah. I'm sorry, when, Re- when Hannah accidentally mauled Rex and then the powers that be but evil set Hannah on fire. Right. Well, I mean, fake Hannah and fake Rex. Yes. When, God, that never made sense. When they disappeared, the woman from the bank, like, came and took over the auction house like that was somehow something she knew how to do so i i guess they, i guess in the charmed universe that's just how banks work i guess in the charmed universe if you take out a loan the bank gets to come and run your business that's not how small business loans work i mean just think about it for like a second well, you own a business and you take out a small business loan. Does any part of you think that means the banker gets to come run your business if they want to? Well, remember, this is a universe where witches actually were burned at the stake, so maybe property law's different. Oh, oh, hey, Max, did, did I tell you the, the guy from the bank that owns the mortgage on our house needs to come sleep in the guest room? Because apparently that's how that works. Anyway. Anyway, so uh, Phoebe is making some demonic ipecac because Piper is too busy complaining about her quasi-boyfriend to do any actual work. And uh, I, Yeah, it's interesting. I noted that it's Phoebe who's doing the brewing when normally it's Piper. Yeah, you know, which makes sense because Piper was a chef at oh some my point. God. But yeah, normally, as you pointed out earlier, not this episode, but at one of our previous episodes normally phoebe writes the vanquishing spells and piper does the potions Mm -hmm. and then there's the third sister yes and peggy so phoebe has a balloon and she's gonna fill it with the potion yes and piper's like so how are you gonna get the demon to eat that balloon and phoebe's like oh well i'm gonna get him to eat me yeah, she's going to go up to the manager, Manager Jeff, and she's going to be all like, Hi, I'm a fan. And he's going to be like, oh, I will feed you to a demon. You know, I'm joking, but that's exactly what happens. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, Hi, I'm 90s Alyssa Milano, and look at my boobs. Look at my uh, look at my flat, flat stomach. Don't you want to feed me to a demon? And he'll be like, yeah, fair, fair, yeah. Yeah, come on, I'm going to feed you to a demon. And then, you know... It's going to be like last episode where uh, she opened the portal into the uh, into the portrait and then she just chucked Kit in there. Yeah. <laughs> Except instead of a cat, she's going to... Chuck a balloon <laughs> filled with potion. Yeah. 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 Anyway, doorbell rings and this time it's not Leo, it's Neighbor Dan. Neighbor Dan and his floppy 90s hair handsomeness. Boy, he really only has two modes clothing-wise. Button-down shirts that seem like they're too big for him and tank tops that are too small for him. Get clothes that fit, neighbor Dan. It was the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. I don't think that was a thing yet. 
So, uh-oh, not just neighbor Dan is over, but also Leo, and now both of Piper's boyfriends have to man-fight over her. Ooh, this is awkward. <laughs> Except that Leo recognizes neighbor Dan, because I guess he used to be a baseball guy. Yes, neighbor Dan used to play for the Mariners, which will sort of come up in a future episode where Piper casts a spell to see which uh, which one of them she should uh, be with. She, she, she casts a spell that the universe should give her a sign which of these two men to be with and like a giant bird lands on her car and she's like a mariner that must mean that i'm with i should be with dan and then someone throws a angel from the top of a christmas tree or something at her and she's like oh, no i should be with leo oh i can't wait to get to that yeah but fun fact yes i i said uh i think last episode or the episode before that uh, the actor who plays neighbor Dan was uh, married to Angie Harmon. He's not. He's engaged to Angie Harmon. But her... currently, yes, current. Well, according to Wikipedia, currently. Okay. So, who knows? But before him, she was married to a sportsman. Oh, a baseball sportsman? Uh, no, a football sportsman. Ah. Because I was like, if, if she was engaged to someone, if she was married to someone who was like a, a mariner, that would be. A weird coincidence i was gonna say really cool but i don't think anything about this is cool so piper's like angry at leo still mm. and she's like so you have time to know the roster of the mariners but not time to get here to the manor and tell me about demons before i book them into the club and neighbor dan's like what and she's like shut up i'm not talking to you also neighbor dan hasn't played baseball for a while one would guess so I'm assuming these two things are also like what what that's a weird thing to be angry about Piper Piper's just mad at Leo because she wants to be mad at him so you know we're getting right into our Piper Leo groove yeah spoiler alert for the rest of their marriage yeah but she goes off with neighbor Dan so that they can go next door and tell neighbor Jenny that no she cannot sneak into the club to see Dishwalla because she is a child and Piper will lose her liquor license. That was the thing that always like confused me about Buffy because maybe it's just because I didn't live in a thriving metropolis like Sunnydale, but I was like are there clubs that let teenagers in cuz I mean there there was a club in uh in a city next to my hometown that did have a like I think it was an under 21 section, but I think you still needed to be 18 to get in. It just seemed weird that Sunnydale has an all-ages club. There was a club in my hometown that let in high schoolers. And, and not, like, let in high schoolers, but, like, it was a teen club. Hmm. Um, so I, it makes sense that the bronze would be that as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that that's a thing. That seems like you could... Oh, I don't know. I, I guess clubs mostly make their uh, money, again, from alcohol. So yeah. I can see why you wouldn't. And plus, you don't want to accidentally create an environment where someone might have sex with a 15-year-old. So Oh, I was thinking the nightmare of trying to keep people who can legally drink separated from people who can't. Yeah, because the, the club in uh, the city next to my hometown, like it was literally, it had two different sections for people who were under 21 and for people who were over 21. Well, you know, I used to work at a movie theater here in Portland, and because this is Portland, we serve liquor at movie theaters. Mm. Uh, alcohol, not not hard liquor, beer and wine. Um, 
Who gets drunk off wine? Actually, you- actually, you know what? I say that. That's that was the case when I worked there, but since I left, they actually do serve hard liquor at the movie theater I worked at now. But yeah. my point was, uh, one of the things that we were supposed to do if you were on Usher duty was to kind of slip into the theaters and make sure nobody who had a drink gave it to someone who was underage. Oof. Yeah. So Piper goes off with neighbor Dan to have a very unfun conversation. And Leo's like, Phoebe, help me get Piper back. And Phoebe's like, I'm trying to fight a demon, a demon you brought into our lives. Handle it yourself, dude. Okay, then we go back to Buckland's, and I genuinely really, really like this scene. I do, too. I wasn't really expecting this from Daryl, because I mostly remember Daryl as the, you know, cop guy who doesn't want to get involved. And that is kind of what he is here. Yeah, I... That's what this scene is. He knows that Andy had some sort of situation with Prue and the sisters, but he doesn't know they're witches. He he talks about it. He's like, look, I don't know what your thing was with Andy, but Andy is gone, and I knew that you were doing important work with him. So I want to keep whatever you had with Andy, minus the sex, <laughs> up. Like, I want to keep, you know, helping you, and I want you to help me, and I don't need to know what your deal is. I thought maybe you were fbi agents or spies or something but don't want to know don't care just want to do good he says look i don't know what kind of code you guys had but i'm looking for these girls and prue's like yeah we're on it you don't want to know the details and honestly it's a really good scene and there's a kind of rawness with daryl that no one else has had regarding andy's death yeah it's we're only on the third episode fourth fourth fourth, i think yeah we're only on the fourth episode of the season andy just died and i mean prue had a vague sad in like a couple episodes but honestly i'm buying daryl's grief over this yeah i mean this scene implies that prue and daryl have had an ongoing thing where they're talking with each other about their grief, but we haven't seen any grief from Prue since the first episode of the season. And but I, I don't know, whatever show Daryl's in, I'm into it. Mm. Yeah, so Prue's like, look, I'll handle it. You don't have to worry. And then she kind of walks off and the camera stays on Daryl for a weirdly long time. Like, it sort of feels like maybe they had some time they needed to kill. No, no, no. We need to see that he feels lost. Like, he needs to be all alone for a second. Just just a little too long so that we can know how at odds he feels. So, meanwhile, Jenny is really, really upset that she can't go see Dishwalla because Piper promised, even though Piper... Did no such thing. She didn't even do anything adjacent to promising. She didn't know Dishwalla was playing at her club until the guy came into the room. Like, and I feel so bad for Piper because she's thrust into this weird mom role with a girl she barely knows at all. And she's like, yeah, I have to live with neighbor Dan. And like he, like neighbor uncle Dan never did anything bad. And it's very proto dawn in you know her worst moments yeah she, I mean, she doesn't quite do a get out get out get out but you know 
Yes. Yes. She she's she's given a real little sister vibe despite not being one of the sisters. Mm. Although that makes sense because later on in this episode she's going to falsely claim that she and the charmed ones are like sisters. Well, it they are like sisters in that they're constantly kicking her out of their house. Oh. Just substitute room for house. It's basically a sister relationship from what I'm given to understand. Over at P3, Prue tells Phoebe that she has given the bouncer orders not to let Investor Guy into the club tonight. Hmm. That's that plot. Okay, so... Did you I... want to talk about what... Phoebe's wearing? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Because I, I I can't speak for wall demons, but I don't think I want to eat anything that looked like that. It's it's a disturbing looking outfit. She's wearing this like flappy halter top thing. Okay, well, she's wearing a shirt that only has a front. Yes. That's why it's flappy. And it's one of those triangle. It's like a triangle in the front and a nothing in the back. It's like a reverse mullet shirt. Yeah, it's metallic silver, mm-hmm. and she's wearing yoga pants, and then a long peasant skirt over the yoga pants. Also silvery. Also silvery. Also spangly. It's a look. It's a look. You know what it kind of reminds me of? What? The very, very terrible outfit she's going to wear that they're going to say is a Cinderella dress later. I was going to say the the Cinderella dress later where it looks like a Goodwill threw up on her. It's terrible. Also, her hair is doing what I would describe as any pop punk fairy from the early 2000s. So you know how I said that neighbor Jenny had those little mini butterfly clips? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Phoebe did her hair with mini caterpillar clips. So, Piper is talking to manager Steve. Steve? Jeff. Jeff. Manager Jeff, and she's like, Why don't you go look around and see if there's any interesting women for you to talk to? And Jeff wanders off, and then Leo comes by, and he's like, Hey, can we talk about our relationship? And Piper's like, Leo, I'm busy with Dishwalla. I'm managing this club. Also the demon that you made her go fight. So, I mean. Now is not the best time to talk about your weird, ill-defined relationship. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Did we forget to mention that Phoebe has a scrunchie around her upper arm? Because she does. It's just, it's a whole lot of luck. Okay, so then she goes up to manager Jeff and she's like, hi, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a music management groupie. I'm, like, super into sexy managers. And I know all about you. Brian Dennehy is the Beatle I wanted to sleep with. He was the manager, right, of the Beatles? Am Uh, I thinking of the right person? uh, No, no, no. uh... Whoever that guy was who they talked about as being the fifth Beatle, he's the one I wanted to sleep with. I think Brian Dennehy's an actor. Brian Dennehy is an actor, yes. I think it was Brian something. I don't know. If you know who the Beatles are, you know who I'm... If if you know who the Beatles are, you're in the middle of creating an angry uh, comment to leave on our Patreon. <laughs> our Patreon, which is... No. Yeah, so... Phoebe, he's a manager. His job is to get women to go backstage for dishwall. You don't have to pretend to be into him. 
So she goes off with him to, you know, go see the demon. And as she's walking off with him, she opens her bag to Piper and Prue to show them, you know, the balloon with the demon Ipecac in it. So Phoebe gets left in the back room and the demon jumps out of the wall and is like, and she whips the, uh, the balloon out of her purse but she she does it too quickly so the demon is able to retreat before she can throw it at him and then she's like oh we're gonna need a bigger balloon like doing a jaws riff and then later because people didn't laugh enough the first time she's gonna make that same joke it's okay to let a joke die phoebe it's fine but uh yeah she's really freaking out because she's like Oh no, the demon, it's too much when you're, it's, uh, it's too big. It's not going to die from this. And it's, it's like vaguely bigger than a regular person. I you don't... have plenty of potion. The problem is that you pulled it out too quickly and the demon got away. Like, there, wh- what? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so they're going to seal the exits and look for manager Jeff. And, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, and yeah, and Piper's like, yeah, I guess we're gonna something, something. Do you think, do you think I should have a talk with Leo? Do you think I should, you think I should work out the thing with Leo? And Phoebe's like, honey, I would love to talk to you about Leo, but we really need to stop the giant wall demon. Speaking of the giant wall demon, backstage, the giant wall demon is yelling at manager Jeff for sending a witch. Because, you know. Okay, he's mad at manager Jeff for sending a witch, but he's like, if there's one witch, there's more witches. And if there's more witches, then you need to get them to me. And Jeff's like, wait, I thought you were mad at me for bringing you a witch? And he's like, no, I, yeah, I am. I am. You're in big you're in big trouble. But also, witch souls are worth like 10 times human souls. So bring me an innocent human girl and the witches will come back to save her. Why if there's one witch, is there necessarily more witches? Witches work by themselves all the time. Just because the show is about the Charmed Ones doesn't mean that, you know, all witches work in trios. We know they don't. Anyway, Investor Guy is at the front door, the the rope, whatever, and the bouncer's like, nope, name's not on the list. And he's like, okay, what if I hand you a gigantic wad of cash? Like, literally so much money. And that guy's like, Yeah, okay. Piper's not paying me anyway, so, you know, this is the only way I get money. So, yeah, investor guy is in now. Oh, also, so is neighbor Jenny, who just, like, sneaks in, because... Piper's not paying this guy. He's, he's, he he doesn't care. So, neighbor Jenny gets, uh, into the club, and she's like, oh my god, Dishwalla, and Dishwalla starts playing. We have a long tracking shot of the club so that we can get, like... Our money's worth of Dishwalla. Mm. Yeah, there's there's several points in the episode where it just sort of pauses so that Dishwalla can do one of their, I'm guessing, less famous songs. Yeah, I mean, I only know the one, so. Yeah, and honestly, I kind of only know a few lines from that one, so they could just be doing the same song, but different parts of it. No, no, they're doing a different one. I know because the caption said so. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yes. So. Okay, I have to throw this out here. Just, I'm to throw this out. In an upcoming episode, 
they are going to do the exact same thing they're doing with Dishwalla, but with the cranberries instead. Mm-hmm. But because I really, really love the cranberries, or at least did in 1999, I'm going to have an entirely different emotion about it than I do about Dishwalla. Yes. Which is to say that if you were a high schooler in 1999 and Dishwalla was your jam, I 100% respect that. Yeah. Again, they're not a bad band. I honestly would go maybe... Uh, I'd listen to the songs. I don't think I'd actively seek them out, but like if one was on the radio, I wouldn't change the station. It's a radio, Grandpa. Yes, I I was thinking about that. I, if it was Spotify, I wouldn't hit skip song. Although, also, if I want, if I ever want to feel out of it, I try using Spotify because. I don't get how Spotify works, and that makes me feel so out of touch because I feel like it's not complicated. I just want to listen to a particular song by a band. Don't give me songs that sound like that song. I think you can just listen to the song you want to listen to on Spotify. I, I think, think you're you thinking can't... of Pandora. No, that's my issue with Spotify. I'll be like, I want to listen to this one song, and they'll be like, oh, we built you a playlist based off this one song. I, and I'll search the song and I'll hit add and it just it's like do you want to add to playlist and I'll be like yes and then it'll be like this is the playlist we've created this song isn't on it I just go to YouTube when I want to listen to music yeah I mean that's what I do now but I wanted to do something that would support the band I guess listening to YouTube does now too because they count YouTube plays yeah they do and when I want to support the band and there are a few bands that I like to support I just buy their CDs directly from them yeah. Is that what you did with uh, the Justin Bieber song, Yummy? Uh, no. No, I did not. I did not purchase Justin Bieber's song, Yummy. But I have bought all of the DoubleClick CDs directly from them. Because mm. mm. they're amazing. They are. I remember when you were trying to find merch of theirs that you didn't already own. Yeah. Like... You should check out the DoubleClicks if you haven't listened to them. They're a local band if you're in Portland. I guess they're not a local band for most people who are listening to us, because I'm guessing most of our listeners aren't exactly in Portland. I don't know. And they're sadly not a local band. They're a hometown band, but they're not a local band anymore. Oh, do they not? I'm pretty sure they moved to California. Ah, bummer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're, you should listen to one of their songs. I'm a big fan of uh, Wonder myself. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. But they've got a lot of uh, President Snakes. Um, what's the one about the... the uh, Clever Girl? Oh, no. Will They or Won't They? Yes. Will They or Won't They is great. See, I switched around that time. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, uh, speaking of Will They or Won't They, Piper and Leo are having an argument. Uh, Leo stops Piper from searching for the manager to be like, can we talk about our relationship? Because, you know, I, I'm, I, I'd do anything to be with you. And she's like, I'm looking for the guy who summoned the demon that you're having us fight. We don't really have time for this right now. See, this supports my second theory, the theory that he arranged all of this because of Piper and that th- this had to do with his charge of Piper. Except before I was thinking he did it to save P3. Now I'm thinking he did it just so he would have an excuse to chat with Piper. You know, you can just talk to Piper, right? Well, he's basically on the clock all the time. So he can only talk to Piper when he's, like, on the clock on their thing. Otherwise, he has to go take care of his other charges. You like Dishwalla. Le- God. You think Leo's just subtly been directing demons towards the Charmed One so he has excuses to hang out at their house? Yes. Yes, I do. Now I do. Yes. So Manager Steve 
is trying. God. So Manager Jeff is trying to uh, avoid the witches while finding a new victim. He also wants to neutralize them, so he tells one of his security guys that Phoebe has something illegal in her purse and to go get it from her. And they take out the balloon and they smash it on the ground and part of it gets on her skirt, but the rest of it starts like smoking and he's like, what is that? And she says, it's a $75 dry cleaning bill. And I just, I feel like these security guards should have more follow-up questions. Yeah, like she was holding a mysterious homemade balloon full of some sort of green smoking liquid. I feel like you interrupted it. I don't know what, but something not good. Right? Speaking of not good things, manager Jeff, like, zeroes in on Jenny, and he's like, oh, hey, you weren't here before, right? You're friends with Piper. She would totally come rescue you, right? Yeah, she would rescue you if you were suddenly in horrible danger, and Jane's like, yeah, we're like sisters. She'd totally rescue me if I was in danger, mister. Speaking of, I would do anything to meet Dishwalla. He's like, ah, magic words, magic words. It's the same thing you said earlier, but, you know, yeah, yep, yeah, okay. Come on, come on, I'll introduce you to the band. So, while they go off, investment guy starts talking to Prue, and, of course, Piper is there. And now Piper knows that they're going to bring this guy in. Also, Daryl wants to come talk about the missing girls, and investment guy's like, hey, Daryl, back off, I'm rich. And Daryl's like, hey, I'm a cop. And Phoebe's like, guys, my skirt is messed up. Yeah, it's all too much. Piper freezes the room. Which, good for her, maybe should have done that earlier, but she sees uh, from across the room. Also, I feel like this is an expansion of her powers. Oh, we have not seen her freeze this many people. This is, yeah, definitely an expansion of her powers. So she's frozen the room long enough to see uh, Jenny being led away and shoved into the back room. And they run after her because she's about to become demon food. And uh, she does. I mean, luckily we already know that they're going to regurgitate all the girls back up out of the demon. Because the demon totally eats her. Yeah, it's lucky this is one of those reversed-by-the-end-of-the-episode things. Yeah, right? Otherwise, Piper would have to have a really awkward conversation with neighbor Dan. I mean, would she? Because he's not going to know what happened. Hey, my, my niece hasn't asked me for help with a sex report in days. What's going on? I better put on my smallest tank top and wave some mail at Piper. So, the girls confront manager jeff because they need to uh fight the demon and i don't know what they think he's gonna tell them that they don't already know seriously they're like what have you yeah seriously they're like tell us everything you know about the demon and he's like it can't be killed man you're all gonna die man it's game over man it's game over and piper's like so phoebe suggests that they all go get swallowed by the demon and then have Prue blast the demon from the inside. Blow him up from the inside, which is aggressively not Prue's power. It's Piper's power later. It's how she defeats the, uh... <laughs> it's how she defeats the wolf in the fairy tale episode with the aforementioned Phoebe Cinderella dress. She gets eaten by the wolf and she blows it up from the inside, but she doesn't have that power yet. I... It, none, of, none of this plan makes sense. 
Why would you... What if you can't use magic once you're inside him? Why do all three of you need to be eaten? Why would blowing him up from the inside kill him when blowing him up from the outside doesn't? You don't have the power to blow things up. This plan is terrible, but luckily it gives them time for Phoebe to notice that she's still got the crap all over her skirt so she can just throw the skirt down his throat. Yeah, the demon's like, blah, and Prue just telekinetically rips the skirt off of Phoebe and throws it into the demon's mouth. Good thing she put yoga pants on under the skirt. I don't usually wear yoga (laughs) pants under my skirt when I go to a club, so I guess it's a good thing she did. So the demon kerplodes, it splatters directly in the face of Johnny Investment Pants, who burst into the back room to, I don't know, force Prue to have sex with him. I don't care. Uh, no, he was going to force Prue to sell him the club because that's how this works. Okay. So he gets splattered when the demon explodes and like a dozen girls fall out. Yeah. And just as Daryl shows up and is like, um, what's happening? And Prue tells him, you're arresting a kidnapper and freeing his victims, and that's all you need to know. And boy, is this not going to stick to this guy. Like, what? We find out later that none of these girls remember anything. How how is Daryl ever going to build this case? Oh, well, I guess that's not the show we're watching. (laughs) So Prue leans down to Johnny Investment Face, and she's like, hey. We have literal magic powers, and we could literally kill you with our brains. Also, there are demons and stuff. So, leave us alone, or demons will eat you. Goodbye. And how does... Okay, this is this is two episodes. This is two episodes after... Morality Bites? Yeah, after Dog Poop Ruins the Future, the episode. So, I guess... Now this guy is going to be the guy who burns Phoebe at the stake. No, no, no. The thing is, you can't make someone accidentally step in dog poop or else they will burn you at the stake for being a witch. But you could totally cover someone in exploded demon goo, tell him you're a witch, and that he needs to do what you want or else you'll Use magic to kill him, yeah. And everything's just cool. No lessons learned. I guess not. I mean, God, that lesson did not stick at all. Then Dishwalla plays a song for seven million years. Well, I mean, that is how they do it in these episodes. Not just of Charmed, but of all TV shows from this time when they do this thing. Yes. So Piper is writing checks and stuff, and everything is balanced now because Dishwalla saved the day. Yep, she's paying her bills because they're in the black now, which, as I mentioned before, is incredibly unusual for... A club this early on. Yeah, especially a club that just had its first successful night ever. Yeah. God, she must mark up the alcohol so much. It's like a 700% markup. Oh, she probably does, like, really expensive bottle service. Mm. Well, so, I was never a club person. I go to a club, like, once every few months or so, back when I lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. And every time I went out, it's like eight dollars for a rum and coke and i'm like it's just it's not worth it it's too expensive for a rum and coke yeah i mean i'm not a club person either so i yeah i the only i i I like going out with i liked going out with my friends and that was that was what you did you went out you know to clubs with your friends but i just was not a 
I'm a comedy nerd, so I really go to stand-up clubs more than anything else. And there, the drinks are very expensive, but there's a minimum. And I just really kind of think of that as the part of the price of the ticket, because usually tickets to those are very cheap. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, I saw... Uh, that Nicole Byers show was so good that we went to. That. Yeah, it was. Oh, pre, pre-pandemic, Portland had a great stand-up scene. I hope... It survives. Yeah. Oh, I, I follow a couple stand-up comedians on Twitter. I'm, uh, I'm mutuals with Jay Jordan, who I don't know if you know. He's a, he's, he's a funny guy. He's got an album out you should check out. Uh, he's been on a few podcasts. That's why I think people might be familiar with him. But he, he talks a lot on his Twitter about like how stand-up is, cha- is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oof. Charmed. Yeah, we're we're wrapping up now. Uh, everything is resolving. And uh, you know, Piper. Now that she knows about the hostile takeover that almost happened but didn't, she tells her sisters to be honest with her next time. And uh, then Leo shows up. Yeah, and they try to define the terms of their relationship, but not really. He's like, "I want to be with you, but you still want me to be an angel, right?" And Piper's like, "Yes." I, I want to be with you, but also your work is very important and I don't want to take you away from it, but also I hate the fact that you're working all the time. And he's like, I got a jingle. And she's like, yeah, go, go. I go. She seems to notice him receiving his call. Yeah. So that didn't resolve anything. Yep, that's, Yeah. Then she goes outside and sees neighbor Dan. Neighbor Dan, who is reliably always next door. I mean, it's convenient, right? It's super convenient. So she kind of, she waves at neighbor Dan and neighbor Dan waves back and then that's the end of the episode. And that's the devil's music. It's solid. I mean. I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Yeah. It's kind of weird coming off, uh. I know we said this last time. It's kind of weird coming off what is considered the best episode of Charm and being like, you know, I I really enjoy more of the hokey Demon of the Week stuff than the uh, big universe building stuff. I know I will regret that later when the show veers straight into weird fetish territory, but... I feel like the show is really kind of hitting its stride right now in a way that I'm finding enjoyable. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it right now, currently. And... I mean, this episode has an incredibly weak subplot, but it also doesn't really take up enough time to get, you know, annoying. I mean, it would have been a nothing plot if it didn't make me so angry. Yeah, but it, it's not like that weird plot where Phoebe starts working at the auction house and where it feels like they kind of just jammed part of a different script into it. Yeah. Because they need to kill time. It was like, you know, this subplot, it's not great, but short, doesn't. Unless you're very invested in property law, it, it doesn't bother you. Uh, okay, so shall we do our segments? Uh, yes. Uh, much like the Charmed Ones, we have our own power of three, and it's time to activate the first power in our pack, Premonitions, where we look into the future, present, past, and uh, see who in this episode is, was, or will become famous. And uh, do you have someone? Is your someone Dishwalla? Because... Uh, no, my someone is not Dishwalla. My someone is the investment guy who was played by David Hayden Jones, who is 
amongst other things, in like 25 different Hallmark Channel original Christmas movies. Okay, now I know we mentioned this on one of our old podcasts, but I don't think if we have any new people, uh, we traditionally watch a lot of schlocky uh, Christmas specials. We love Netflix and Hallmark Christmas movies. Yes. We gave it a shot this year with the... uh, uh, there there was a Halloween one, which was done in the style of, uh, you know, right. Christmas ones. It was a Halloween romantic comedy. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible or anything. There's definitely been worse. Uh, but uh, it, it starred, what is it, Major Awesome or Captain Awesome or Captain Amazing or whatever from Chuck. Captain Awesome, yeah. Yeah. It was fine. There, like, nothing, weirdly, for a movie involving witches, nothing happened. Yeah, it's, like, zero conflict to the movie. There's no bad guy. There's barely even an issue. But, uh, I mean, it was, there's worse. But was this guy in any of the ones we've seen, any of the Christmas ones we've seen, if he's been in a bunch of them? Uh, he was the lead in Dear Santa, which is the one where Amy Acker finds the letter that the girl wrote wishing that her dad would find a wife oh my god oh my god i when you said your santa i was thinking about the one where um you know the one one where santa's daughter is working at the post office yeah and she uh, she ends up hooking up with that guy who's take who's uh, speaking of neighbor den a guy who's raising his niece after her parents died and she writes to santa wishing that someone would sleep with her uncle and santa's daughter gets the letter and she's like I could sleep with him. Yeah, that's what happens in that movie. Uh, Lachlan Monroe is in that as the evil boss, and he will later be a love interest for Prue. Oh, interesting. But, oh, it's kind of fun that we know him from something, sort of. I just remember everyone being really mean to Amy Acker for basically no reason in that movie. They were so mean to her. I I mean, I guess she was kind of violating the spirit of... No, she wasn't part of the program. She just found a letter. and Yeah, she found a letter on the street. I mean, I guess it is a little weird. She found a letter on the street that was like, Hey, come. Dear whoever, I wish that someone would have sex with my dad. And she's like, I could have sex with someone's dad. She like starts stalking him. Like, okay, you know what? Now that I'm describing the plot, it is kind of creepy what she does. Yeah. And then when they find the letter, they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? Okay, now that I'm, now that I'm recounting the plot out loud. Okay, but the thing is, No, you know what? I don't remember the plot well enough to defend Amy Acker. I just remember thinking, I don't get how you rightly got to the correct conclusions just by finding the letter. Right, like, they're like, they they find the letter and they're like, you must have found this on the street, stalked us, set up a thing so that you could meet the dad by working at the homeless shelter where he works, and then, like, put all of this into motion, which is what happened. When I would think the more logical explanation would be you saw this in the house or in the homeless shelter and picked it up by accident. Yeah, like, they weirdly... If I'm remembering the movie correctly, we watch a lot of these. Yeah. What was the one that we watched where it turned out it was secretly half of two movies? Oh, Can't Fight Christmas! Yeah. We'll have to watch the second one this year. Yeah. We watched one called You Can't Fight Christmas, which was amazing. I think it was one of my favorite ones we've watched. It was the one where she's trying to save the hotel, right? Yes. And there's weirdly this woman at the bar who we, like, check in with occasionally who appears to be having her own story that we don't see. And I looked, and there's another movie that's her story. Like, it takes place in the same, like, in the same general location. And I guess the woman from our movie uh, just appears briefly to... 
like it's weird that both of these movies are connected i love that i we'll we'll watch the we'll watch the other one this year yeah um and yeah also i don't know if you saw but there's a christmas chronicle 2 that's the one with the santa who fucks (sighs) here's the thing about christmas chronicle the whole movie was reverse engineered from that one scene of kurt russell being santa claus running a jam band in a prison that is correct that is correct also it's a it's a reverse the santa claus because it's about santa claus killing a kid's dad so he can have sex with his mom okay that is not correct (laughs) although sorry go on at the end of christmas chronicle they do like a cute little reveal that mrs claus is played by goldie hawn kurt russell's real life partner and uh they fell in love after uh, she got amnesia when she fell off a boat yes uh the trailer the poster i haven't seen the trailer just the poster the poster for this one has her prominently featured on it so i think this is going to be a uh a mrs claus focused story you know what movie we should watch which one golden christmas which one's that okay it's about this magical dog that brings these two people together because oh it's like golden retriever christmas yeah it's called golden christmas but it's a golden retriever right right right. and uh like there are these two uh there's this guy who's trying to buy this woman's family's house and uh she's really mad because even though she only comes you know home for christmas she's like it's it's the house where i grew up you can't sell it can't and you know she it turns out that this is a magic dog they both used to play with when they were kids but they didn't know that they hung out together as kids because they used fake names or something anyway the uh the reason we need to see it is because the love interest in it is played by Nicholas Brendan. And oh my. he spends the whole movie looking so miserable. It's really, really weird to watch a romantic comedy where the male lead actively seems like he doesn't want to be there. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Oof. And uh, th- this was one of the bad movies I watched with uh, my friend Tyler back in Boston. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we we didn't do a drinking game with this because you would die if you did but there there was a thing where we count off every time in a scene uh when it switched from one person to another the switch would be accompanied with a person turning their head because every time the camera shifted focus it shifted focus to someone turning their head in a different direction which isn't the sort of thing you notice until you do and then you can't stop noticing that it happens literally every time the camera changes perspective I'm sorry, uh, we should move on to the second power in our pack, because I feel like we went really off uh, off track here. I guess we should, we should. Uh, what is our second power? The second power in our pack is Time Freeze. What specifically dates this episode the clothing? Like, and Dishwalla, I suppose. <laughs> dishwalla? Yes, Dishwalla. Aggressively Dishwalla, but also butterfly clips, everything Phoebe wore, most things Jenny wore. Yeah. Like, yeah. this was this was a heavy... 90s party girl fashion episode that's true but yes dishwalla and our last the last power in our pack telekinesis what genuinely moved you this episode well this scene with daryl connecting with prue again post andy's death it was an amazing scene yeah which i mean let's be clear dorian gregory effing carried it was a scene from a much better tv show yeah and i guess that'll about do it huh yeah so next time's episode i think we're gonna oh boy yeah 
So brace yourself. Our next episode is... She's a man, baby. A man. It's the episode where Prue gets magically turned into a dude so she can find a siren that's... A succubus. A succubus that's using her... The sisters discover that Phoebe is psychically linked through her powers to a man-killing demon known as a succubus. In order to lure the succubus to the sisters, Prue casts a spell which turns her into a man. The main thing I remember about that episode, besides the main horrible thing of Prue getting turned into a man, which, boy, I can't imagine, like, it has to be so transphobic, right? I, I like, haven't watched it in years, and I can't imagine it works. But the main thing I remember about that episode is video dating, which is amazing to me that that was ever a thing. The main thing I remember from that episode is that all of a sudden... Prue is interested in, like, cars and... Oh, yeah, yeah, she... she man, and sports and... She becomes... Twins. Twins, yeah, God. Yes, she becomes a man and she instantly knows how to fix things and, you know, can no longer cook or whatever. It, it's awful. It is. It might not be transphobic so much as just deeply sexist. Those things are closely related. Yes, yes. They're... Yes. Uh hatred of women is at the core of many many things ah well on that note (laughs) let's wrap this up for this week all right our show is partially listener supported if you want to be one of those supporters you can head over to our website www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our patreon link we like to thank our current five dollar and above patrons beryl patricia sam cassidy alex alicia ryan maracruz rosa javier benjamin kyle and kate if you'd like to support the show in other ways you could always rate and review us on apple podcasts it helps other people find the show if you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show you could join our facebook group welcome to television we can also be located at i love tv zines on twitter or at i love television scenes at gmail.com so until next time i'm tina and i'm max and this has been welcome to the hallowell manor Thank you.